Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, host of Full Service Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this show, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Greetings and welcome to Animal Instinct here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Celia Kutcher. I'm also known as the Food Healer. And today we're going to talk to Adrian Wissick. We know Adrian from her past episode, all about animal communication, but today we're going to discuss something else. She's working on an app that she created, and she's working on saving the dogs of Detroit. So this is a good one. Get comfy, and let's get started. Adrian, are you there? I am. Hey, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for coming back on the show. I'm really excited to talk about this. I'm, uh, I want to know all about it. So let's start off with, tell me about the situation in Detroit regarding dogs. Uh, it's a really interesting uh, kind of dynamic that we have with dogs in Detroit right now. Uh, a lot of people own dogs. It's really common. And that stems largely from the fact that we have had people moving out of the city due to a lot of uh, both policies that prioritize the suburbs over the city mm. um, for about 50 years, but also the changing state of uh, our kind of industrialized economy. We were the motor city, and as industry moved abroad, so did those jobs. Yeah. A lot of people left the city. And with all of those kind of tax-based dollars leaving, um, that means our police force has been left with fewer and fewer dollars mm. in order to continue to patrol Detroit, which has a massive area. You can actually fit this um, Manhattan Island, the city of San Francisco, and the city of Boston all inside the city limits of Detroit. Oh, it's my God. Area. I had no idea it was that big. Yeah, it's really big. And wow. when all of those people left, our population went from about 2.5 million in the late 1950s to about 700,000 where it is today. Holy cow. And it's still all spread over that huge, wide area. So when all those tax-based dollars left, um, it left our police force with a pretty hard time patrolling that massive area. Yeah, seriously. So many people look to dogs for their private security. Uh, realistically, you know, growing up in Detroit, if you call the police when I was younger, they're not coming. Wow. So you have to really be responsible for your own personal security. Wow. And a lot of people use dogs for that. Understandably. I mean, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? So, so as a result, we have, in a way, kind of a very old culture of dog ownership. Mm. Um, a lot of the people who own dogs have never taken their dogs to the veterinarian. They don't know anybody who's ever taken a dog to the vet. Wow. Many of the dogs aren't walked. And it, it's simply because that's not something that's familiar to the, to the people who live there. Mm -hmm. Many of these people can, are having a hard time paying their home taxes, yeah. paying their water bills. We've all heard about that yeah. in the past year. Um, so understandably, that dog comes after their concerns for a secure home and a secure family. Mm -hmm. So the dogs aren't spayed. They're not neutered. Mm. They kind of breed freely. Um, a lot of people can't even afford to maintain fences in secured areas around their yard. Mm -hmm. 
So we do have a lot of dogs that are more like village dogs. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, they, they kind of have their own dog social network, and they come and go from people's lives. Uh, so this creates a pretty big problem because not only do we have a potential massive disease vector yeah. running around the city, um, but there's a lot of people who just don't know how to be responsible pet owners. Fair enough. And that's really where I started kind of on my mission to help out the dogs in Detroit because it's it's wonderful, you know, working as an emergency veterinary technician for 20 years. Yeah. It's wonderful to help to go up into the suburbs and help people who can afford to pay those bills. Well, yeah. And then I come home down to the city, and there's my next-door neighbor's dog who lives permanently changed to his garage. Mm. Mm. That's got to be so hard for you as a vet tech to be seeing this, too, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's really interesting. And it also, you know, it's culturally, because of this, a lot of people are afraid of dogs. Yeah. They've never known that dog that sleeps on the couch or snuggles with you in the morning. The dog that they have only seen their entire lives is this dog who's chained up, who's not socialized, who's not vaccinated, um, who may or may not have good associations with people. Yeah, totally. And it's not the dog's fault. It's not the people's fault. Um, it's just a fact yeah. of where it is right now. Yeah, and I, I got to tell you, I really respect that you have that viewpoint of it because you're absolutely right. You know, if someone hasn't been taught the correct methods, then they're really not the villain because they don't know better, especially if they're learning from generations. So I really like the angle that you're taking where it's it, this is what it is and this needs to change. And it's not like, well, these people are bad because they just don't know. I mean, the fact is they don't know, so you have to go from there in order to make the changes. So I like yeah, the attitude. you got to meet people where they are. Yeah, exactly. And so do you guys have, like, packs of dogs that roam Detroit? Um, you'll see them on occasion. I would say 10 years ago it was more common. Mm -hmm. um, but, um, you know, on my way to work in the morning, I regularly see a few dogs running off by themselves. And sometimes those dogs belong to people and sometimes they don't. Yeah. Yeah, we had a problem in Red Hook, Brooklyn, um, before the IKEA opened, actually, where there was this huge pack of wild dogs um, that were just, you know, dogs, that, people that had puppies and, you know, abandoned them and things like this. So it was this big pack, mostly of pits. I mean, they were all big, big dogs that were super aggressive and really mean. And in fact, this is the sickest story ever. I had a friend of mine who was living there and he was riding his bike around late one night. He came around a corner and there was a bunch of dogs standing in the street. They started growling at him. So he turned around to leave and he was surrounded by a circle of wild dogs. So he panicked and figured he had to break the circle. So he rode his bike as quick as he could. One grabbed him by the leg, bit him, pulled him off the bike while three others grabbed his bike and drag it off somewhere. So, wow. yeah, like somebody obviously had this awesome like dog training ring to steal bikes. But like, <laughs> you know, it was just this amazing thing. And if you'd see them, I remember running into them one day. I mean, it was really scary. These were dogs that knew their power. They did not like people for, I'm sure, a myriad of good reasons, you know. So yeah. it can get yeah, really and That also creates a whole another dynamic, which is, you know, as many people have heard the story of Detroit, we have, you know, a lot of people moved out. We have a lot of empty, abandoned homes. Yeah. I live right around the corner from what's actually an award-winning elementary school, and the kids walking to school have to make a choice, and this happens a half a block away from my house. Mm. There is a huge brick home that is crumbling. Okay. It's crumbling onto the sidewalk. It's right next door to the school. Mm. Across the street from that house is 
a house that has a bunch of dogs that live chained to a car in a oh backyard. So the kids have to choose when they walk to school, are they walking next to the building that could collapse on top of them or the dogs that could break out of that yard? Yes, sir. Oh, that sounds like fun. So they walk down the middle of the street. Oh, my God. Because what, would, what else would you do? Yeah, you know? seriously, I don't blame them. These poor kids. I mean, oh, it's terrible. So I've started, as I've started talking to more and more people about this. I really say this is a way that we need to teach kids that they can use the sidewalk. Yeah. We need to make the sidewalk a safe place again for kids to walk to school. Wow. Wow. And there's, it's more impactful than that. Even uh, there's, there's a ton of research about this stuff in, in the social science literature. Uh, the Journal of Sociology and Social Work put out an entire trade paperback that was all about research with children and animals. Kids who grow up understanding how to have compassionate relationships with animals um, have much better relationships with people. Mm. They have better life skills. They have better job skills. Um, the, the benefits are massive. Kids who grow up with a connection to nature mm-hmm. through animals or parks, they perform better in school. They learn faster. Um, a good relationship with a dog can reduce symptoms of ADD and other attention deficit disorders. Wow. It's, it's huge. And so with this culture that has been set up through really, you know, no one's fault. Yeah, totally. Kids are suffering. Dogs are suffering. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that there, there had to be a better option because it just hurt my heart to come home from work and hear that dog barking chained to a garage. It's oh, uh, God, I'm so grateful that you're doing this. I just, I'm just thinking back. I saw an incident the other day when someone had a cane corso, which there's a bunch in my neighborhood. And um, it's a huge dog and it lives in fear. And so it's super aggressive on a leash. And they normally walk him at 3 a.m. And they were walking him at, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on the sidewalk. And this dog was lunging at any possibly th- anything it could get near and was so terrified of its owner that it was lunging away from its owner. And just, I mean, that's one incident. You know, I mean, I live in an area where our animals are like in wardrobes and have, you know, carts and like, I mean, I should, <laughs> you'd, you'd be lucky to be one of these pets. You know what I mean? And so seeing that in this neighborhood was really like it freaked everybody out but I mean the norm here is this is a, a almost a suburban neighborhood that I'm in so people grew up with a million different pets and you know everybody had like happy shiny childhoods and this, so it's a very very different thing and so trying to teach people that don't know anything about animals to trust them I mean that's that's no mean feat either no it's really not and realistically I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's obviously a big problem in the city with the fact that, for example, I live in a very old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. My house is 100 years old. I bought it about five years ago. I live in the neighborhood that Aretha Franklin grew up in. Oh, cool. It's a wonderful, beautiful neighborhood. Um, but it's a mostly African-American neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the these are multi-generational family homes, people who have lived there. Um, my neighbor two doors down is 90 years old, and she has lived in that house for 57 years. Wow. She... Looking at me, being the the white girl in the neighborhood, yeah, um, which is actually what my nickname used to be until people learned my name. Um, looking at me, she doesn't know that I grew up in the city. Yeah, all she knows is if I come up to her and try to tell her what to do, that I don't look like her. Yeah, and so what am I doing telling her what to do? Mm-hmm. And so it's not respectful for me to go 
directly to any of my neighbors and say, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, totally. Because that's really making a judgment about their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know enough to do that. Yeah, that I could, that would go over like a lead balloon. I mean, you know, it's you're absolutely right, and it's it's um, that's a really really difficult situation to be in as well. Yeah, but being you know, I, I'm an overly compassionate person, so as a result of wanting to not only help the dogs who live next door to me and across the street from me and behind me, but also the kids who have to walk to school, I started talking to the Michigan Humane Society. Oh, cool. Michigan Humane Society has a Detroit Center for Animals that's about a mile and a half away from me, and they are our major cruelty investigation unit in the city. Mm-hmm. So I started talking to, uh, if you ever saw Animal Cops Detroit? Yes. Actually, I did. It's the only episode I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> so Deb is the main cruelty investigator. for. She's the lead of that team. Wow. Um, and she was on Animal Cops Detroit. And she happens to be a friend of a friend. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough to meet with her and talk about just what are you seeing when you are out in the city? What does it look like? And she said that 90% of their calls are not people being cruel to their animals. It's people needing education. Wow. And most of the time, she's teaching people how to just do some really basic things. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the dog who lives next door to me chained up to the garage. That's not a dog who's going to snuggle up on the couch. Yeah, no Because way. the dog doesn't trust the people any more than the people trust the dog. Yeah. So she's busy teaching people things like how to keep flies off of them in the summer. Oh, wow. How to keep a water bowl upright so that they have water available. Wow. How to get a hold of them because the Humane Society gives away straw in the winter for mm-hmm. animals who live outside. There's a lot of rescue groups who will help you with a dog house to make mm-hmm. sure your dog has shelter. Um, there's a really great rescue group in Detroit uh, called Unchained that will help build fences. Nice. Um, to get dogs off of uh, off of the chains because it's really that kind of basic education that people need help with. Yeah, definitely. And going and going to somebody and telling them you should be taking your dog to the dog park and spending a thousand dollars a year on veterinary care. Like you said, goes off like a lead balloon. That's that's yeah. not getting anywhere. No. But helping people, meeting people where they are, building that bridge to where they are instead of where I'm, I am. Yeah, exactly. Is is what really makes a difference. So I talked to Deb. Um, she told me some really interesting things. For example, um, most of the people that she interacts with do not have a computer and do not have internet access. Wow. But everybody has a smartphone that's or at true. least a phone that you can text with. Yeah. So that immediately set off a light bulb that I need to think about. Um, how do I get information into people's hands? Mm-hmm. I started with doing a neighborhood survey in my neighborhood. I just walked the area that my block club covers. It's about 300 homes mm-hmm. on Detroit's near west side. About 200 of those homes are occupied. And of those, about 20% had dogs who looked like they lived outside most of the time. Okay. So I knew where I had to start. So I started about a year ago um, going door-to-door with flyers Mm -hmm. and putting them in people's mailboxes, knocking on doors, talking to anybody with really some basic information. Um, We're in an area that we're lucky to be served um, by, there's a rescue group called All About Animals. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that has a mandate that's helping to vaccinate and spay and neuter anybody for free. Oh, nice. 
so I took information door to door saying, free vaccine clinic, free spays and neuters. Wow. And here's how you license your dog with the city of Detroit. Wow. And that was it. No judgment. No, no questions. Yeah. Just, here's my phone number if you need help. And how was the reaction? Uh, you know, it's real mixed. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot of people like a stranger coming up under their front porch. Fair enough. Um, but that was just the first one. So I started handing out flyers every other month. Uh, I negotiated with a security company to offer discounts to anybody in the neighborhood. Nice. Um, so that people could get home security instead of relying on dogs. Wow. Um, I handed out information that showed people the cost breakdown of the most effective security systems. Mm. Uh, that it's actually more expensive to, and less effective to use a dog as your sole method of security. Uh, yeah, I gave true. out a flyer that was all about how to keep your dog from barking. Nice. By doing things like uh, freezing dog toys and treats into a big bowl of ice water. Mm-hmm. And uh, giving, um, we have a lot of abandoned tires. <laughs> a lot of people dump tires. Yeah. Uh, so a fun way to keep a dog entertained is to uh, bury a tire halfway. Oh, wow. Fill the middle with dirt and toys. And then you're you're giving your dog a place that it's safe to dig. Nice. And a fun thing to dig for. Nice. Um, and the a really amazing thing was, eight months later, my next-door neighbor's dog came off that tether. No way. Oh, you should and be proud of yourself, she didn't girl. talk to me about it. He didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. One day, she just wasn't on the tether anymore. And she was allowed to roam around in the backyard. That's awesome. And a couple of days later, the dog who lived behind her that was chained to a garage... That dog came off the tether. Wow. I started handing out my phone number because, um, you know, as we talked before, I, I do behavior consulting yeah. um, and work and said, anybody with this flyer gets free behavior consulting. Wow. I have 50 calls that week. Oh, my God. You see, that's so amazing. It was. And it, a bunch of it was really basic stuff, but it was, I think it was people seeing that I, I wasn't out to do anything except help them. Exactly, exactly. Wow. Well, Adrian, we have to take a break for a minute, so let's do our station identification. Let's come back and talk more about everything that you're doing, okay? Sounds great. Thanks. Six years old. Hello out there. It's Steve Jenkins. I'm with Fairway Markets. White Leghorn. Red Wattle. Bourbon Red. Navajo Churro. Well, these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway Butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming, you would have. And at Heritage Foods USA, you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. 
And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers and artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's Heritage Turkey, Japanese Steaks, Berkshire Pork, or Navajo Churro Lamb Chops is the righteous kind. From healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts. It's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at HeritageFoodsUSA.com for more information. On Tuesday, May 17th, please join Snacking Tunes for the 9th Annual Barbecue Blowout. Our inaugural chefs are Kings County Imperial with Beats and Rhythms by Domino Records. Tickets are $10 in advance at bbqblowoutmay2016.eventbrite.com. Tickets include a plate of food and a complimentary Brooklyn brewery. We're happy to announce returning partners of Nikki Digital and Heritage Radio Network. We hope to see you there. And we are back. I am talking to Adrian Wissick, who is living in Detroit and doing amazing things for the dogs of Detroit. So, Adrian, I want to talk about your app. Tell us about that. Oh, sure. So, uh, as I was telling you, I had gone through this flyering campaign, uh, and I was really amazed with the success. Yeah. I was really surprised to see it in my neighborhood. And But I knew that that wasn't really an approach that, that could work citywide. Yeah, seriously. And, I'm not going to fly our 700,000 people's houses. Oh, come on. <laughs> I mean, it would be a really good weight loss plan. Yeah, it would be probably. really fun. <laughs> uh, but then I remember what Deb had told me, that everybody has a cell phone. Yeah. And then it clicked immediately. We gotta, we, i got to make a smartphone app that does the exact same thing that I've been doing with flyers. Cool. That is deliver information that is helpful that it's friendly and that is non-judgmental. Nice. And so I started talking with the Humane Society about what their needs looked like mm-hmm. if they were to work with me on this. I talked to other rescue groups. There's almost 100 independent rescue groups inside the city limits of Detroit working on dog issues. Wow. The problem is that nobody likes to work together. Oh, no. For a lot of different reasons. Yeah. And I think this happens all over the place in the animal community. Yeah, that, it does. You know, the politics people, can just be crazy. People get a little catty. Yeah, just a little bit sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, what's a way that we can all work together without there having to be a mediator mm-hmm. in between everybody? And I started to take a look at what does the back end of this look like and what does the front end of this look like? Uh, I talked with my wonderful graphic designer, Morgan, of Zoom Detroit Studios, mm. and she was super excited about the project, and she loved dogs. So um, she helped me design an app that's really meant for people who are not used to using the Internet on their laptop or their computer. Oh, my God, it's even better. Because that's clearly the important thing. Yeah, totally. It's got to be simple, you know? There's nothing worse than getting an app that looks simple and you don't get instructions, and then you're like, I don't know how to use this stupid thing. That makes me nuts. I mean, I, I sadly, I had trouble figuring out Snapchat, but that's just me. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't want to go assuming or making anything more complicated for people who might already be technologically challenged. Yeah, totally. So um, we took this the same basic design of these flyers and thought it's just a real simple blog. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take you know what I know about what people need, and a few sentences a day, and lots of and links to more information if they have it. 
Um, I edit a frequently asked questions section because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of those. Yeah, totally. I we're adding a way for anyone can ask a question anytime. Nice. No judgment. Just send me the question, nice. and I'll get you resources. And um, we got an events calendar set up so that when there's free things to be given away, when there's events, uh, people can know about it. There's only going to be a few notifications that would go out, Mm -hmm. and those would be for things like, it's going to be 90 degrees, make sure your dog has water. Cool. Or, it's going to be 10 below zero, go pick up some free straw. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, The Humane Society does get some stuff to give away sometimes, and they've agreed to work with me to connect up with their resources. They had a tennis club give them 500 tennis balls. Oh, nice. So that would be a wonderful way to really connect up residents with thinking about playing with dogs yeah, and, and getting them uh, connected with resources. And as I talked a little bit more with the Humane Society, I learned a lot about kind of how their funding structure works and how lots of shelter funding structure works. And a lot of that funding is really based on them understanding who's utilizing their services. Mm. So we're um, going to link up a location-based service because we just need to be able to report the zip code cool. of whoever is utilizing the service because that's going to help any shelter or rescue organization be able to access funds from great programs like Maddie's Shelter Fund that helps support all kinds of dogs all over the country. Nice. And in addition, when you turn on a location service with your app, um, it's going to be able to allow you to find any shelter, park, uh, any uh, veterinary office that's near you. So you can just say, find a veterinary office near me, and it'll link somebody directly to it. Adrian, this sounds fantastic. I mean, this is really something that I, there's a huge need for this. And I mean, not only in Detroit, you know, but I love what you're doing. And the, honestly, the no judgment thing, as you know, I mean, both of us know because we've worked in vets' offices and have done all kinds of fun animal things. I mean, there is an awful lot of judgment in the animal world, or there can be. And so for someone who doesn't know, it's got to be – there's nothing worse than not knowing something and then being feeling like an idiot because you didn't know it, you know, or feeling bad or finding out you're doing something wrong. And the fact that you're not pointing fingers and that you're able to just give the answers, is just, it's just so refreshing, especially from animal people. I mean, honestly, thank you so much for doing this. It's so important. I'm I'm really excited about it, and actually, I you know I I had been in my head with this so long. I finally went out and presented about it to a group of people at the Indiana University Animal Behavior Conference, and could not believe the reception I received. Awesome! People were so excited about it, um, and it, it was really validating. It was really really nice to hear from people. That's really cool. I mean, it's like you, it sounds, I mean, I'm like, when do you sleep? You know, it's like, you sound like you're <laughs> like the busiest woman in the world, you know? Yeah. Well, and really the, you know, the journey didn't even end there. I, once we had the idea, then I thought, I don't know how to program an app. Mm. How do I program an app? So I, I contacted a group who does a lot of apps here in Detroit and, you know, just sent them a, a form through their website, mm-hmm. you know, just like, Hey, I'm a little small business person, and I'm working with these groups, and I'd love some help on this app. And I got a response back that made me laugh out loud. It was so hilarious. It said, Dear XXX, I'm not kidding. That's what it said. You, I mean, you have my name in the form, but yeah, okay. Right. Anyway, okay, that'll work. Dear, dear XXX, um, we'd love to help you out with your project. 
we recommend you secure $500,000 in funding. Oh, no problem. And then get in contact with us. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So helpful. That really? was so helpful. Well, hell, if I'd known that, I just would have whipped open my wallet first. I mean, shit, you know? <laughs> wow. I, you know, I'd, I'd, I had $500,000 just laying around. I was wondering what to do with it. Exactly, and I got it now. This is perfect. <laughs> wow. So that, that was really disheartening. Um, and, you know, a lot of people I reached out to didn't respond. Mm. So I asked uh, a friend who works in my same office building who does a lot of work with programming, and he said, he said, why don't you reach out to Girl Code It Detroit? Mm. Um, Girl Code It is a national nonprofit that teaches women um, life skills to help them have career changes, to have better jobs. Nice. And so uh, they have an online forum, and I emailed the person who runs the forum to say, I'm looking for help on this project. I'd love to post your forum, but, you know, I I don't know the right way to do it. Yeah. And the person who runs their forum said, I foster dogs constantly, and I want to do this for you. Oh, thank God. So she agreed to do it for five grand. Nice. I went and uh, talked to the wonderful people at Kiva. Wow. And I got a Kiva no interest loan. Awesome. Uh, to pay for the cost of programming the app. And so that's what's happening right now. The app is being programmed. That's so exciting. It's really exciting. I can't wait to take a look at it and see how it works and see it all kind of come alive. This is so cool, Adrian. This is, like, so exciting. I can't stand it. I think it's great. And it's, you know, for people that don't really know or don't know animals that well, I mean, the fact that you were able to get two dogs that were on chains, off of chains, by the owners just making this decision on their own, that's massive. I mean, that's I, I huge. think it's a really big deal. And it's not even, not even that. There's so many other small changes that are hard to really quantify. Yeah. One of my roommates said recently, there's a lot more dogs being walked. That's amazing. But suddenly people are walking dogs. I get questions from people I've never met before. Nice. But they know me. Everybody now knows me as that crazy dog yeah, lady. totally the, the dog lady in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> but I get the questions, and, and it's wonderful. It's, I'm, I love the questions. This is just so, it's just so good. I mean, it's just so good. And I know that you're still working on your fundraising and things, so I really want to get that information out to our listeners. We're going to put it on the front page of your interview as well. So if you hear this and you want to help out and you space out on where it is, just go to the front page uh, for this episode, and you'll have all of Adrian's information there regarding this Kickstarter campaign. So, like, you can't call her up and meet her at her house for coffee, but you can help donate for this, which I think is super, super important. And, I mean, it doesn't. It, this doesn't have to stop in Detroit. I mean, God knows. There's millions of dogs in this country and all over the world that could be taken better care of. So, I think yeah, you're really I on think, something. I, I feel like there's a really big a way that this could impact the lives of, of a lot of animals. I'm really hoping that kind of after we get everything up and off the ground, uh, the next big push is really programming the back end, all that database stuff Ugh, that's yeah, going to yeah. help out shelters and connect up people and for us to be able to get targeted information up to the right people. Um, and that's the next big push in fundraising. That's about ten grand to get mm. that website up and running, get that whole back end up and running. So, like, perfect case scenario, when do you think this app would be completed? 
Um, I'm hoping June next year we'll have a full package complete. Nice. And I think that that is a very safe estimate. I think it's going to be done before that. Nice. Nice. I love that it's not like, in three weeks! (laughs) (laughs) Well, I really feel like we got to do it right the first time. I agree with you, especially because if this is going to a market that's not really familiar with apps and pet care, you know, all you got to do is piss off one of them and that's it, you know? And so just making sure it's all really tight and really clean and very simple. I mean, that's a feat in itself. Yeah, I think we got one chance. Yeah. And so we got to do it right. But I think you got a really good chance too, babe. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, the Michigan Humane Society Group Investigation Team has agreed that once it's ready, um, that they'll start utilizing it. Oh, wow. Yeah, you got so, some good people behind big. you. That's huge. I'm so happy that you've got people behind you and they're taking this seriously because it really is a serious issue. I mean, Detroit's cold in the winter, man. I was there last June. It was kind of cold then at night, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, I, I would love to live in Detroit, but I would die from the coldness in the winter. There's just no way, you know? But, you know, you think about all these animals out there, you know, the ones that don't have straws and don't have homes and all that. I mean, they got to be cold. they got to be really cold unless everybody's got, like, great Pyrenees and things like that. Yeah, and I, this is really a segment of the population that, that people kind of turn a blind eye to. Yeah. Because it's not, it's easy to rally behind a sad stray dog in a shelter. It's easy to rally behind an abuse case. It's not easy to rally behind people who are having a hard time and this dog is the only thing that, that they have known to protect their families. And they want to do right by the dog. Yeah. And they're doing the best they can. And that's really important to keep in mind as well. I mean, that's where you get the no judgment, you know, because you just, you know this. You're you really, you're living it. You're fully aware of all this, where there'll be people like, you know, you really shouldn't use, like someone, you know, walking their dog for like the first time on the street and somebody coming up to me like, you really shouldn't use a choke chain. And it's like, you know, <laughs> this is not the day to do this, okay? You know, it's like everyone and should right, just be Right now in Detroit, we've got uh, many people who are leaving your part of the country are coming to our part of the country. Yeah, big time. Um, because we have a wonderfully low cost of living, which means that I see it every day. I see young, excited people, which is wonderful to see them moving into the city. Yeah. Um, but it gets a little insulting when someone tells me about how they're going to save my city. Ugh, I don't blame you. I don't and blame I, you. I know your heart's at the right place, and I appreciate what you want to do. But at the same time, you got to get to know the place before you're going to tell me how to do better. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Or, you know, well, now that I'm here, I mean, what I, some of the stuff that I saw when I was there was, you know, it was a lot of young kids that were really excited to be there, which was awesome and not paying, you know, the $10 billion rent that we have here in, in Brooklyn because everybody's coming to you guys now. But, like, so many people that are thinking about it are like, okay, so what I'm going to do, and this is no disrespect to anyone who's done this, so please don't send me hate mail, but, like, there's a lot of, like, I'm going to move to Detroit, and I'm going to open up a juice bar and a yoga studio, and it's going to be great for the community, and it's going to really give back. And that's wonderful, and I think it's wonderful you're trying to give back, but there's, like, stuff in Detroit that that's so, like, down the line, you know? Yeah. It's so down the line that it's like, okay, why don't you open a soup kitchen? Why don't you open up a free daycare for, like, all these poor people that have to work and have to do something with their children? Well, that's not really as sexy, is it now? You know, that kind of stuff. And so it's it's interesting when you see people move into a neighborhood they don't know what they think will help. And the heart's yeah. in the right place, you know. But it's also like you got to learn from your elders. you got to listen to people that have been there who are going to tell you what 
is needed and not, you know, oh, we need a really good coffee shop. There's none within a mile of here. Maybe so, but there's a lot of other things you could do that would really help the population instead of just, you know, caffeinating all the hipsters. So, yeah. yeah, maybe before we get a man in coffee, we could get him an apartment. That would be a splendid idea. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, really true. And I mean, Detroit is Detroit is an amazing city. I mean, like I said, I was there last year only for a couple of days and really got to see. I mean, I saw, you know, a thumbnails worth, honestly, but really drove around a lot and really saw, you know, how big it was. Honestly, I had no idea it's as big as it is. But you could also see what has happened. You can see the glory days of the past and these mansions that are spectacular, that are just crumbling. And it's, it's, it's got, it's, it was really eye-opening for me. It was really, really eye-opening for me. And I love the fact that, I mean, man, you guys got heart in that town. You guys you really do, man. I mean, it is no joke. People that are in Detroit are fiercely loyal to Detroit, and that's what it needs to get healed and to get better. And so what you're doing, I mean, you're saving the dogs of Detroit. And it's amazing at the fact that, you know, you're putting in this much commitment because, like, you know, the new people coming in don't even understand this concept of, wow, there's a lot of dogs on chains out here, you know, and they don't even know the history of why that is. And, you know, it's you got to know your history in order to go forward. Yeah. And it honestly makes it a little bit of a challenge to talk about because before I can even really get to, you know, like the first part of our conversation, before I can even get to what I'm doing and why, mm -hmm. I have to unpack all of your beliefs about what dog ownership means. Oh, God. We have to get through all of that and really set the stage that this is a real different thing. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't like Judy and her Pomeranian going to the spa to have a, you know, a makeover and a beautiful little trimming. These are not your clients for the most part. And so it's just, it's a different thing. And I mean, education is crucial and that's what you're doing and you're doing it really in a really, really cool way. Um, I'm assuming too, that once it's up that people can ask you anonymous questions as well in case they don't want to fess up. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, even the day before yesterday, I walked up to somebody's house whose dog I had heard barking. And because I'm a homeowner, I've gotten, I've been working on my yard, my whole body hurts. Mm. And so I was out in the backyard and I heard this dog barking and barking and barking. And I ran in the house and I grabbed a couple of flyers and I went and hunted down the barking dog. Mm -hmm. And I knocked on the door and it was probably 10 minutes of me knocking before somebody came. Wow. And it was a, a younger guy. I would guess he was in his late 20s mm -hmm. talking to me through the door. Mm. Doesn't, won't open it, won't unlock it. Yeah. And I, I just had, and you know, I got, I got about one sentence before somebody's going to shut down. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he doesn't want to be judged. Yeah. He's having a hard time. Yeah. And I said, sir, I heard your dog barking. Is everything okay? Nice. And he said, he said, yeah, yeah, she's fine. And uh, she was. She wasn't chained up, but she had a giant chain link padlocked around her neck. Oh, my God. That was her collar. Ugh. And I said, okay, well, let me know if you ever need help. Yeah. And I would urge you to put a flat collar on her because those chains can dig in. Yeah. And he said, she broke out of the nylon once. Oh, she kept, they kept breaking. Wow. And I said, let me get... If I give you a flat collar, will you put it on her mm -hmm. if it's not nylon? And he, and he brightened up right away. He said, yeah, yeah, you got one? Oh, nice. 
And I ran over, I grabbed a big old leather flat collar, mm-hmm. gave it to him. We cut the chain off of her. Nice. Uh, and he texted me a question later that day. That's huge. It is huge. It's it's meet. It's you got to meet people where they are. You do, and you also have to be. You know, the no judgment. I mean, I'm all over that. I am so all over that. I know I'm like, you know, breathing it into the ground. But it's so important, and the fact that you're willing to help and not be like, hey, you know, like, can you just make your dog stop barking, please? You know, cause, <laughs> like, really. <laughs> I was like, thank you so much for your help. Yeah, you know, if you give him a treat, he might shut up for a little while. That's what we do with our dog. You're great. I can't afford <laughs> treats. You know. It's like for that $26 bag of treats that you've got at the corner store. That's perfect, you know? Yeah, and he he said after we talked for a few minutes, he said, you know, I'm just, I I told him about the security discount that Mm -hmm. he could have if he's, you know, it'll cover your garage. And it's a great security company that does all wireless setup. Cool. Um, So no home phone is required, and you pick and choose the pieces that you want. Nice. Uh, And I I told him about that, and he said, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to get, You know, I I just got a new job, and I've been out of work for a while. Mm. And I think that's the story of of a lot of people right now. Yeah. Yeah, I do, too. I was just reading some terrifying statistic that something, I'm going to get this wrong, but it was at least, oh, God, I don't know if it was one-thirds or two-thirds. I think it was two-thirds because I was flabbergasted, but it was something like two-thirds of all Americans have less than $1,000 in their bank account. So. It's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's bad right now. It's really bad. And so that's the other thing, too, is when you're dealing with, you know, poverty or low income and stuff, just to be like, well, just get a new collar. I mean, those things can be expensive. And they aren't. If you're trying to feed your family, I'm sorry, an additional $10 for anything is a lot of money. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of money, and it adds up real fast. Yeah, I mean, it does. I took my cat to the vet today for a regular checkup and spent four hundred dollars. Oh, five seventy five last week. Thank you. Mine has asthma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean I can barely afford that. Yeah, me too. So how can I be demanding someone else's money? Me too. Oh, Adrian, we are almost out of time. I love talking to you. It's always such a good time. So <laughs> I have a great time too. I know it's always good. It's like we need to do this more often. So where can besides my uh, homepage for your interview, where else? Where can we send people so they can find out more deets and all that good stuff? Uh, they can go ahead and come to my website, animalintuition.org, or they can go to my GoFundMe page, GoFundMe.com/slash. Dogs of Detroit. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you again for everything. Check out our website. Our website's amazing. There's a ton of information on it. Like, it's good. It's not just a cute little picture. This is me. Like, there's a lot of stuff on that. So check that out. And Adrian, if I can help you with, you know, getting the news out more, please let me know. I would love to somehow help you out with this. I think what you're doing is totally brilliant. And I really, really respect and admire the amount of hours and the blood and the sweat and the tears. I mean, just the vet's office is enough. And then the fact that you're actually leaving the work and doing this after hours, you're an angel. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate it. I mean, it's for real, girl. I, you're, you're no joke. I mean, you are a tireless, hard-working woman who's determined to help change these animals' lives in a city that got hit real bad and is just on the beginning to recover now. So 
you know, hats off, babes. Seriously. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the, uh, the arsenal of democracy will come back. We will get it back somehow or another. We'll see what happens. But, you know, maybe we can come back like Detroit, having like a rebirth and like the coming back with like pet rocks or something completely insane that will bring it back. But <laughs> it sure would be nice to get the automotive industry back there. But that's a whole other show. So. I am Celia Kutcher, also known as the Food Healer. I will be back next week with a brand new show. Thank you guys for listening, and I hope you have a good one. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.